Hey, y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. There are a lot of games covered in this episode, such as Return to Dark Tower, Tenpenny Parks, Founders of Teotihuacan, First Empires, Voices in My Head, and Wise Guys. Plus, I will be joining Marty to talk about our trip to Fun K Town and our review of Decorum. Let's get this party started. Oh, wait. It's just RDTN. <laughs> Sorry. Hello, and welcome to episode number 254 of Rolling Dice and Taking Names, A Touch of Evil. My name's Tony. My name's Marty. Now that we've introduced ourselves, we'd like to welcome you to our podcast on board game shows and other silliness. What angle are you coming at here? Does it have to be an angle? Could it just be a new direction? The boring direction? I don't consider that boring. I consider this uh, the inf- information voice, the the um, manager voice, the the voice that says the NPR voice. Sure, if if there is such a thing, that's wait a minute. Did you you remember that Saturday Night Live uh, bit? Uh, I can't remember the two uh, actresses who did the NPR and they and they whispered and they yes. did the the big thing with Alec Baldwin and sweaty balls. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so that's what I, every time I hear like that. Like that really soft voice, you know, it's like, yeah, we would like the, uh, the recipe for that. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? So to me, that's what you were sounding like was like, like a, a real series or the, the masters is coming up. Maybe you're doing like your gym dance or Ooh. your golf announcement. You know, we got to be really quiet. Yes, everybody, everybody quick practice your golf clap. Have you ever been to Augusta to watch I've the masters? I've driven by Augusta. That was one of my opportunities for a job. Let's go work at, not Augusta, but at the Savannah River Project. Ah. So I had three opportunities for a job coming out of college, Savannah River Project, Duke Energy, and um, Underwriters Laboratories. And I picked Duke Energy, and 33 years later, I'm still there. (laughs) I remember that was one of your things. You wanted to work at UL because you wanted to blow stuff up. I I did. I really (laughs) did. And and the area they put me in was the high voltage area, so I could really blow stuff up. So why didn't you take it? Because engineers didn't blow stuff up. The technicians blew stuff up. Oh, you just had to write the reports. And I'm not a writer. That would not have been fun for me. I would have been like, no, no. So as soon as I, we talked to the engineers, he says, yeah, we, we tell the, the technicians how to blow the stuff up, what we want to test them on, and they bring back the results, and then we write it up and deal with the customers, and I say, check, please. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So uh, the products that we work on, we send them to UL, and they sounds like they do some really cool stuff, but I didn't ever think that it wasn't the engineers doing it. it was probably the technicians where you put a device in there and you zap it with tons of like static electricity and you hit it with uh radiation uh, radiation wow yeah uh, r- radiation to see how you know if it affects anything and i thought man that sounds cool but now thinking about it, you're right uh the technicians probably do that and then the engineers are probably the ones that write the test plans then somebody else executes it, and then they probably write the final report, which is the boring stuff. Exactly. And then you also were required to at least participate in some uh, personal flotation device testing by jumping off the um, 15-meter board. And my, my first question was, if it doesn't work, that's an issue. Is someone there to pull you out, or was that part of the test report? You let them drown if it doesn't work, if the PFD does not float them? And they're like, no, we, we, it's okay. No, we've never had any issues with that. I'm like, but there's always, that's what testing's about. 
They go, yeah, but they, that's not the problem. So yeah, that's why I did. And plus, you were working at Duke, so why wouldn't I come back to Charlotte? I had a, <laughs> uh, you know, what can I say? That, that's true. That's how we got to be uh, roommates, and, and, it, and it kind of went from there. Boy, so we went from, let's see, let's see. We went from NPR to the Masters to UL to, uh, to right back where we are right here. That's right. This is number 254. We just came off of the big celebration of the Squirrelies. Yes. Had a, we had a little drama there, but we survived it. Um, Mr. Bonacore has been um, drummed off of the um, <laughs> committee. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and check out the Squirrely Awards where uh, Bonacore... Uh, he didn't appreciate the beer. He did not appreciate us running out of a particular, uh, it was IPAs, I believe, that he yeah. was uh, upset that we ran out of. But once again, thank you for all those that uh, had all those uh, that came on and presented the awards and announced the nominees and the winners and everything. We can't do that show without them. And it means so much so much to us they do it. And as always, uh, you all just given us a lot of glowing feedback about it. And we attribute that all to our special guests. Truthfully, we could do that without them, but it'd be with a lot less. It would be more boring. It would be a a lot more boring. It would be a lot. And I hope everybody took advantage of the ten percent off coupon over at Miniature Market, and they were able to get into the drawing. And um, I think that if by now we should have a winner, but mm-hmm. we of course recording and we don't know it yet so forth and so on but i hope everybody got in there and got used to that 10 percent. i know a lot of people who are in our discord channel yep. or us mentioning it i'm hoping to use it um before we get off the air tonight speaking of which uh don't forget to join our discord channel as because we've had an influx of people remember we said that for every 100 that join uh we will give a gift card to miniature market at the number of people divided by 10 right now as of this recording we're at 399 so there's a good chance by the time this comes out one more person will have come on board and we will randomly give away a 40 dollars gift card to somebody in discord was that approved in the budget meeting oh i don't remember the budget meeting you've been giving away a lot of money lately hey we, we give 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 we never take I guess eventually, though, we'll run out of stuff to give, and then I don't know what we do at that point. <laughs> yeah, and don't forget, once again, if you find a mistake in the episode, you can definitely submit a request for $5 unless we say, nope, that wasn't a mistake. And I'm in trivia. I'm, I'm doing the trivia nights again in the neighborhood, Mark. All right, all right. And some people are challenging me on my, my questions. Okay. And I'm like, come on. If this is for fun. Really? Just have fun with it. Can you give me an example of one of the questions that's being challenged? Well, one of my categories is the uh, fools, fools category this time because okay. of April Fools. Okay. And one of them is name the uh, sidekick to the Joker that's a female and was a psychologist. Harley Quinn. Well, there you go. Okay. See how well you did? What is true gold? Uh, carrot weight. What is true gold? What is uh, gold? If you want pure gold in a necklace, what carrot weight do you need to know? Is it 18, 12, 24, 24 carats? The higher numbers, the higher value of gold inside the... Right. So 24 carat. You're, you're, yes, okay. yes, yes, yeah. yes. And what is fool's gold? Uh, what's the official name of fool's gold? Pyrite. See, look at you. You do well at truth. Right? <laughs> and, and name the final four basketball teams that uh, from the women's and men in the final four. Okay. Uh, Connecticut, South Carolina, NC State, and... <laughs> The, the final four in the women's? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, did we lose in the final eight? We lost in the final eight. Oh, then that's right. I stopped paying attention at that point. I just okay. know that the champion was South Carolina. They beat Connecticut. But like I said, once we lost, I didn't care anymore. You didn't care. Yeah. So, so yes, I'm doing the trivia and they're challenging my uh, answers, which takes us back to $5 if you can challenge us on something we said wrong here. I see. I see. And by the way, I remember as a kid playing in the creek and finding pyrite. Oh, you did? Yep. There was a lot of it around our, our house and it was always cool to find it and and see it in rocks and stuff. Okay. See, I, I, I've never had that. I had the clay. I didn't have creeks. I didn't have creeks. <laughs> I used to be into like, uh, geology or rocks, Is rocks, geology. Yeah. I used to be into collecting rocks <laughs> and learning about the different types of rocks and everything. I always wanted one of those rock tumblers, but I never got one where you, you know, you polish your rocks and stones and stuff. My neighbor had one of those and he would do that and he would charge us for polished rocks. He, he was an entrepreneur. <laughs> wow. Good for him. I remember those things. You'd plug it in and that thing would turn and turn and turn and it would take forever. Yeah. And I was like, good gosh. Well, here's the one, here's the bad thing about uh, the Squirrely Awards that we just had. That means that was one week that we didn't get to talk about games that we played, which means we have a lot of games to cover on this episode. So we're going to be talking about several different games, featuring some and just kind of hitting the highlights of some others. Now, Tony, while you were on vacation, you didn't get a chance to check out the brand new game from Corey Kaneska, Voices in My Head. Now, we loved this first game that he came out with, The Initiative. Mm -hmm. We still have to finish that. We, we're just like a few chapters away from finishing it, but we need to finish that bad boy up. We need to replay it so I can remember what we were doing. <laughs> but anyway, so we really enjoyed that game. So we could not wait to check this out. And I love the art of this game. It, it is The art is really colorful and everything. But here it is. There is a person named Guy. Uh, Guy is charged with robbing a bank. And now he is on trial. And this is kind of like a one versus many game. Where one person plays as the prosecutor. And the others are the different aspects of Guy. What was that? Uh, Disney or Pixar movie that had the different emotions uh, came out a couple years ago where the story yes, was about you, the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so there yes, was different. Yes, there yes. was. So it's kind of like that. And at the beginning of the game, everybody's given like a goal. So for example, one of the goals is, Hey, I, I want to prove that I'm innocent. Maybe your goal is honesty. It's like, no, I'm, I'm guilty. And I, I feel like I should be charged my crimes. The prosecutor is always trying to make sure that you're guilty. And you have a selection of jurors that you're trying to influence over the course of the game. And as the prosecutor, you're kind of running the game. You have these trial cards that you're going to be asked questions to the different players sitting around the table. And there's something interesting about this I wasn't expecting. There's a dexterity element to this game. Because when you look at the board, there are these little elevated, clear tables that you're going to put some tokens on and push them with, with one of your player markers onto that little table. And you remember the, the game in uh, arcade, you know, where you drop in a quarter, and if you push quarters off the ledge, mm -hmm. they fall and you get them. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to push your piece onto the board so that somebody else's piece may fall off because it's an area control game where if you control that, that area of, of the board, which is like a region of his brain, like speech or different types of emotions and stuff, then you may get to help influence the juror. At the beginning of the round, the prosecutor picks a card and you can see which region of the brain they may be interesting at asking a question to. Each of the players are going to take one of their player pieces, push them onto that tableau, and then the prosecutor will say, well, I'm going to be asking this region of the brain a question and whoever has control of that region gets that answer the question. 
And here's where the funny part was. The questions were so hilarious. And, and the I mean, it was it was just, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but some of them were laugh out loud funny because of the, of the answers that Guy would give. So you'd ask a question and you would tell the player you have one of two options that you can answer. And depending on their answer, they might got to do something like, okay, you get to influence a juror. You get to make them suspect that the, that you're not guilty or suspect that you're guilty or suspect that you're neutral. And this is going to take place over several rounds where at the end of the game, you're going to evaluate each of the jurors and determine this juror said, okay, you're guilty. This juror says not guilty. And then everybody reveals their objective cards. Now, some of the jurors may like, I want to, some of the players may like, I want a hung jury. I want it three, three mm. guilty, not guilty. The prosecutor's always trying to make sure there's more guilty than others. There's one person who's trying to get off. It's like, no, I want to make sure there's more not guilty than guilty. And that's the course of the game. So you could have multiple players win at the end. The prosecutor and the person who's being honest could could split a win sort of deal. That's kind of the whole gist of the game, but it is really cute. I was not expecting the 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 dexterity part of it, of pushing the little tokens on and trying to knock the uh, other players off. But literally, the flavor text is so funny, and we were just laughing, having a good time uh, with that game. So it's it's another very clever game from Corey. Inside Out. That's the name of the movie. Thank you. Thank you. So you spent time uh, uh, looking that up, eh? And barely had to p- type anything, just Disney feet, and boom, it popped right up. Yeah. So so wh- why didn't I get to play this when we did a rehash of recent games? Is it good with, uh, what would you say would be a good number of people to play this game? Well, the game plays anywhere from three to six people. Mm-hmm. I, I would say probably four. We, we did we did four, and I think that was a good number. I think that was a good sweet spot. Well, yeah, four, because then one person's a prosecutor, then you got three other people playing. So it moves really quickly. It's, here's the thing. It's a very light game, y'all. It could be very swingy depending on uh, does your token accidentally fall off, et cetera. You, you go into this knowing that, all right, just have fun. Uh, it's a light area majority game. Enjoy the flavor text. Read the flavor text. Because like I said, that's a lesson. And what's interesting is some of the, the questions and the answers can kind of let you know what the result of that will be in that, uh, you know, it's like, hey, we got a a, a security camera that uh, caught you at the bank. One of the answers may, I know it's like I smiled for it. Kind of indicating, oh, great. Well, that means, you know, you're showing that you're guilty right there. Or, you know, it's like, well, I never went to that bank or something like that. Anyway, so you can kind of see by the answers what you might get to do depending on how you answer it. And that will influence what jurors that you do. Now, the prosecutor is also trying to keep an eye on who's doing what. And if there is a person that's maybe trying to sway the jury to more the guilty side, you may want to always target them to answer the question because you feel like they're probably going to work with you. Okay. I will give this this uh, hint, though. Not a hint, but uh, a suggestion. They say there's an advanced rules where the tokens uh, have abilities and stuff. Don't wait for the advanced rules. Use the abilities on the tokens because that really changes the game because there's some of the tokens that can come back on the board. It's not hard. Use the advanced rules of the game and the abilities of the tokens to really take advantage of it. So again, very clever uh, art. Uh, it, it's it's a swingy. It's light, but it's a, it's a good one hour uh, game. We we enjoyed our time with it. And again, it's one of those things we just kept laughing all night long at the questions that were being asked. Well, I hate I missed it. Uh, you know, I was down in St. Croix enjoying the island, the life that 
is there where you just sit back, take it all mellow, and drive on the left-hand Have side of the road. Have you ever been mellow? Have you ever... Is it cried or tried? I, I don't know. You Like, I'm going to pull this one out. Olivia Newton-John. Oh, wow. You didn't even sound like her. <laughs> well, n- no, because she can actually sing. But, uh, you know, I'm down in St. Croix enjoying, you know... Five crowns and games like that. And I, we did put Subastral on the table. Yeah. How'd that go over? Not good. Oh, Subastral, which was one of your finalists uh, yes. in your game of the year award. I enjoy the game a lot, mm-hmm. but I did discover, and I don't want to say for non-gamers, it wouldn't be a good game, but for people who aren't used to the strategy side of it or, or picking up on strategy and, you know, trying to deal with the cards on the table, things can happen. My wife got a big poo-poo face when she played because she kept getting denied the cards she wanted. Mm. And she was not happy. So, and you know, you deal with me. You deal with grumpy Tony all the time. If I'm not having a good time in a game, then that's going to say, I ain't playing that crap again. Oh, sure. But I told her that she's going to have to play that again because I love it so much and we'll find us a good mix of players because, yeah, her, her mom killed us. She scored like 80 points. And I'm like, how did you score 80 points? Well, I looked at how things were being led into her hand and they weren't paying attention how she was building stuff. So with that in mind, I was just like, oh, well, I'll, I'll have to get back on the table. But I do want to mention a game that we received Please. recently. But you'd like me to mention that because, you know, for those of you who have done your exercises and we're already mentioning games, we're sorry. Yeah, it's, it's an off day for y'all. Uh, just look, it's, it's a recover day. It's a cheat day. Yeah, Go have okay. an ice cream. Go have an ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. You'll make it up tomorrow. By the way, when I was mowing the other day, I got 25,000 uh-huh. steps in. So I was very proud of myself. Oh, that is very good. I, I mowed today and got zero steps in. So I, you should push your yard. I should, but I can, I can uh, <laughs> uh, mow it in 45 minutes uh, riding. So I prefer that way. Yeah, I don't know how long it'd take me to put... I mean, maybe I'll bring my walker over and let's just see how long it'd take me to do your yard one time. So, I'm sorry. Anyway, we're already squirreling. Yeah, Forbidden sorry. Games uh, sent me a copy of a game they had out on Kickstarter. And it's called Dungeon Party. Yep. Um, we didn't get it to the table uh, recently at our game night, but Don and I tried it out. I'm glad you and I did not get it to the table at McAllister's where our game night is. Because in this, you are spelunking into a dungeon trying to kill monsters, and the explorer that gets the most treasure wins. Okay. Everybody's heard of this. Everybody knows about this. But what's different about this is the dungeon is actually coasters that you can set your drinks on. You can set your heroes on it. Yeah, so you got a sweaty coaster there. It just makes me cringe. Okay. When I think about this, okay, that you could actually use them as coasters. I'm like, I don't think so. But if you want to, you can, because it says so right there in the description of the box. This can be their coasters. I'm like, okay. I just see a lot of messed up cardboard in my mind. But anyway, so you you build the deck, uh, the dungeon of, of coasters, and you're flipping over these coasters. And as you explore the dungeon, you encounter monsters. And it's not like you're playing cards to defeat the monsters or playing additional things. No! Mm-mm. This game, for you and I, at McAllister's would be... Not good because what you're trying to do is do a quarter bounce to hit the monster off the table. 
So do you, you bounce it off the coaster or off the table? Off the table. Oh, that's not good. That's not a McAllister's game. Could you see us chasing the coasters all over? Mc- I mean, the the quarters all over McAllister's. Yes, I could, and I'm I'm glad we didn't do it. So they did they provide the quarters? No, they didn't. No, that'd be that'd be kind of cool. Who carries quarters around anymore? I do. I don't. I I can't remember the last time I had any change in my pocket. I always I got a little can- change in my pocket going jingalingaling. You didn't even comment on the title of this episode, "A Touch of Evil" by Judas Priest, but that's okay. Oh, I was so thrown off by the. And this ep- name of the episode is "Is a Touch of Evil." My name is Tony. Your NPR voice. So we've got a dungeon. There's the touch of evil. Okay. You got, you got you're inside by someone's head. Voices in my mind. That's ah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I like it. Games. I like it. So Don and I, when we were trying to do this, I did not play quarters. Oh, I never played quarters in, in the drinking game. No, 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 no. And so, needless to say, we never got out of the dungeon. <laughs> the monsters were constantly defeating us. I mean, you get better over time. Oh, sure. And yeah, and we did beat a few monsters, but yeah, overall, it's is it a game for? Yeah, sure, drinking game. You're drinking. You got this game. You're oh yeah. quarters. You'd have a big time with that. So uh, it's a Barnes and Noble. It's at Barnes and Noble. You can get it. Um, I forget where else they they have it. It's at Amazon. You can definitely order it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But if it sounds like something you should be interested in, where you're very good at quarters, yeah, plays one to six players, uh-huh. and you have a situation where you're not going to have to chase quarters all over the restaurant like we would have to do at McAllister's. Recommend it. By the way, I carry my quarter into McAllister's because the cookies cost $2.17. Do you leave them as a tip or you, you get the change back? I just walk away. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a coin shortage right now or a coin. It's not a shortage now. It's a coin disruption. So I make sure I'm keeping the coins in the market. Good for you. Thank you. So yes, that was Dungeon Party, uh, <laughs> Forbidden Games, Glenn Drove. See, I, I set the tone. You see how mellow we are? Yes. Yeah. I've set the tone. I gotcha. So while you weren't McAllister's with me and the others, we got to check out a game from Gale Force 9 called Wise Guys by designer Phil Yates. And this is a game that plays three to four players, 90 minutes. The theme of it is rival gangs are going to battle it out to control the black market booze trade of the 1920s Chicago. So each of you are playing one of the famous mobsters, mobsters, mobsters. Uh, Yeah. From the, uh, from the, from the twenties. And you have uh, a group of made men that you're going to go out there to different locations of Chicago, and you're going to exploit those locations. And you've got other associates that are going to help you out. And the whole goal is to, yes, you're, you're maybe fighting each other, fighting over turf, but the whole goal is you got to get money. At the end of the game, it's all about getting money. And like I said, at the beginning of the game, there is a variable setup, which I appreciate. There's, so there are some locations that come out which are, which are permanent. Uh, which are there every game. And then you randomly put out these other tiles to make up the rest of the board. And on your turn, you're going to have orders that you're going to give to your, your made men and your associates to go do things for you. And the number of orders may change based on the number of mad men that you have. Now, Tony, this was kind of like an area control game, right? I can issue an order to send this made man and a couple of the associates over to this location and then I may decide to spend an order and exploit it. When you exploit a location, there's text at the bottom that you get to do. Maybe it gives you guns. Maybe it gives you booze. Maybe you can exchange booze for guns or money for booze. There's three different resources. Guns, booze, money. And uh, after you go to a location exploited, it can't be exploited again that round. But somebody may say, you know what? I want that location there next round. 
And Tony, you may come in there and say, you know what? I want this location to be around for me the next round. So we're going to duke it out in here. We're either going to pull guns or we're going to talk. <laughs> That's yeah. So that was very interesting, right? So mm-hmm. there's there's two types of conflicts, verbal and physicals. And at the thing I thought was kind of interesting. Some locations you can't do uh, physical attacks. Like in City Hall, they very much frowned upon you about pulling guns out of the City Hall. But there you do verbal. So maybe you go in there and you have some people. It's like, you know, uh, you kind of strong arm people or suggest, hey, may- maybe you want to move off this turf and go to some other place or, you know, bad things will happen to you. So there's two types of conflicts that you can have during the game. Did they not watch the movie Untouchables? They pulled out guns at City Hall. They did, didn't they? Well, maybe it was the court. I mean, they were they were pulling guns all the time. But each of the made men had like uh, different two different stats on them, verbal and physical. And you take your to- total crew, you add up your strength, depending on what you're going to um, use, verbal or physical, against the other team's strength. Whoever has the most will win that battle. Now, in a physical, Tony, what was interesting is you bid guns secretly bid guns and then you add that to your strength and whoever wins knocks out the other people if guns were used you actually send them to the emergency room they try to make this very thematic so if you pulled a gun on somebody somebody gonna get shot and you're gonna get shot and you got to go to the emergency room which is another location on the board to try to recover but you can take over that location good for you then you could possibly exploit it the next round you send one of mine to the emergency i'm gonna send one of yours to the morgue exactly and that sort of thing happened because you may lose people and then you can spend orders to recruit more people. Uh, so the, these orders are basically, it's not worker placement, but it's the tokens that you spend in order to take actions of move, exploit locations, recruit new members, etc. Again, the whole goal is to get money. And Tony, after everybody has used all their order tokens, then what happens is then we go to the black market. We all are secretly going to take some whiskey that we have behind our shield. By if the, all resources are hidden, you don't know anybody has. And you're going to try to sell a certain number of booze. Well, the more booze that you sell, that drives down the price. No, supply and supply demand. demand. A oh lot of supply God. drives down the demand. So you try to decide, well, I can't remember how much Tony, how much booze he has. I don't remember how much Bert has. So I'm not going to bid that many. And maybe they'll try to spend all theirs the next round. I'll try to sell mine at a higher value because there'll be less booze to sell. And everybody reveals the number of booze they had. There's a little table that you look up, tells you the value of the booze, and you get money. You're going to rinse and repeat for six rounds. At the very end of the game, it doesn't matter how many people's dead. It doesn't matter how much guns you have. It doesn't matter how much booze you have. You just add up your money. Whoever has the most money wins. So for when we were playing this, you know how a game just isn't clicking for you? Sure. That's this game for me when we were playing it. It just wasn't making a lot of sense to me. I wasn't how I wasn't sure how to gain traction with my character. I wasn't sure what I needed to be doing. I think that's one of those things that as you're playing it and you get better with the characters or better with the the, the group that you have, the gangsters that you have, you will understand how to best in because one of your favorite terms, all of them were asymmetric. They all had different strengths. They all all had the different- mobs had different abilities. Yeah, HF had a special ability that they could spend an order on to do something that somebody else couldn't. Right, and like mine was, if I remember correctly, I, was, I, I didn't have the ability. I, I wasn't a violent gang, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think I you believe. were more on the verbal side. Most of your guys, just like, hey, we just want to negotiate and talk this out. Yeah, I'm going to do a tongue lashing here. That's all yeah, I'm going to do. But I brought, yeah, you bring your speech into a gunfight. Guess who's going to lose? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not going to go well for me. 
So I'd like to try to play this again to, you know, a couple more times if we ever get that opportunity, just see if it would click. Mm. So I, I don't want to say anything negative because it wasn't, it just, there was just something missing. I think one thing that was with me is as the game was going on, it's like, Ooh, I want to fight other people. I want to take you out. I want that location. I think it comes down to, it's about money. You got to find a way to get money. Mm-hmm. Fighting somebody else may not be the best way to get money. How do you get money? There might be some locations to give you money, but it's going to come from booze. You need to get the booze so that you can sell it to make the money. And I think we focused too much on building up our made men and associates and trying to take each other out instead of focusing on the core of the game, which is make some money because that's the whole goal. But we didn't understand, I think, the concept of exploiting the location because I was sitting there screaming, okay, wait a minute. I can't exploit it if it's already been exploited. True. And And I think we weren't connecting with that. And I think that's something that when people are playing with it, they need to understand the exploit nature of the, of the game and the locations, because it, some of the locations you could see, all right, if I go here, I'm going to definitely be able to take my guns and make them booze. Yep. And then later my booze can then go to the black market. And as long as, you know, that's working well for me, I can get some more money for it. But maybe you need to figure out, because this is one thing we did notice in the game, is that if you are if you don't bid it up, if you don't flood the market, then someone who goes in real small can uh. get a lot of money, and that's what happened to us. People weren't thinking that concept of, oh, man, yeah, but if I do put one in here, is that really a good thing? Yeah, you drove up the supply, and therefore Marty's not going to make a lot of money on this. He's not going to get the best value. So you, you needed to be able to keep track of who had them. I never had them. I never yeah. had the booze. I couldn't fi- I couldn't get there. I will say that the variability of this game is really cool. Uh, everybody has different miles of different abilities, like we stated. A bunch of different locations that we played mm-hmm. each game. Uh, also, their environment cards at the beginning of a round, a new environment card comes out, which could be a new location, or it could be something that changes the state of the, the round where you can do this or you can't do this. So a lot of variability in the game. If the theme is something that you think that might be interested in, again, this is out right now from Wise Guys. Well, no, it's called Wise Guys uh, from from Gale Force Nine. The game plays in sixty to ninety minutes. It was running a tad long. the 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 rounds I thought would have gone quicker than what they did, but I think once you got all your orders out there, there was a lot of things kind of going on at the board that that kind of made it to that ninety minute mark. Yeah, and once again, it's not one of those things you may look at and say, "Oh, this sounds too simplistic." It's not. It's not, it's not that it's not a simplistic, uh, quick exchange game. Right. And, and, and best thing is, Hey, there's a lot of player interaction. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you love player interaction, you want to play this. If you do not look like player interaction, all people stabbing you in the back and being attacked and stuff, then, then don't play this. So it kind of makes sense. If you know, you're going to go in and you're going to play as a gang in the 1920s, more than likely the interaction within the game will be pretty high. And this one definitely has that. So before we get out of this beautiful intro that we started in the mellow and I'm ramping it up a little bit, I do want to talk a little bit about something Donna and I have started, and that is a new puzzle. I know it's been a while since we've talked puzzles on this show. I saw you had started one. I saw it you posted on Instagram or Twitter or something. Yeah. Which one was that? I forgot. The one from Thunderworks Games, uh, the cartographer's box. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that looks cool. It is very well done. It's a very, it's when when we get out, you know, we talk about game components in this. When you talk about puzzles, you always look for how well was it cut? How well is the backing behind the artwork? 
because sometimes you can get a puzzle and the picture starts peeling off the piece a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we've also encountered some where pieces aren't cut sharp enough and they would, um, they could go in multiple locations. We have not run into that yet. And as far as challenge, now Donna can throw a puzzle together in no time. She likes to pick at me and she gives me sections of the puzzle to try to do. She knows that I'm better at putting lines together. So she gave me like the map that's on the box art of cartographers. If you see it, they're, they're pouring over a map and she's like, you do this. I'm going to go handle the hard stuff where all the colors, all the blue looks really blue to you. And I go, yeah, yeah. Uh, -huh. she goes, I'm going to go do this. You mm -hmm. go deal this. So it's embarrassing. So I spent three hours. We're not done with it yet. It's probably going to be another, um, four to five hours for us to complete the puzzle. But I spent three hours and I, my section was probably five by five inches that I completed. I look up, my wife has done almost a third of the puzzle. I'm looking at her and, she, and I go, so what do you think of it? She goes, oh, this is a good puzzle. I like this puzzle. And I go, no, no. What do you think of the fact that I've only done this little bit here and you've done all that? She goes, I, I expect that from you. I'm like, good gosh. Wow. But we've mentioned this. We mentioned this with, a, um, I think it was Renegade. Pull that beautiful box art and put it on a puzzle. And they did that. And here's Thunderworks. They're doing the same thing. There is some amazing artwork out there that you can just have on your walls. So I don't know. Do you want me to glue this, Marty, so I can bring it over to your game room and we can mount it and hang it on one of the walls? And sounds room? like after all the work you put into it, it should be in your game room. I don't have a game room. Maybe I should just, I'll take it back apart and I'll share it out with somebody. There you go. Once again, game manufacturers getting into puzzles. It's a thing. Doing a puzzle always brings joy. Oh my gosh, Tony, talk about Euros. I cannot wait to check out Gutenberg from Portal Games. It's on pre-order right now. It looks it looks amazing. You can go check it out over at shopportalgames.com. I can't wait to see what that's all about. He's also pushing his new Batman detective. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. You're raising your hand. I have, you have a question something. about, isn't Gutenberg about printing books? It is. There you go. I think we answered that question. Oh, it's about the guy that was in Police Academy. Oh, I mean, Steve Gutenberg. Steve. Oh, okay. Or yeah. Cocoon. Cocoon. So, but we're talking about Portal Games over at <laughs> portalgamesus.com. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you're ordering stuff, uh, shop Portal Games. They have a lot of URLs over here. Uh, you could pre-order again that uh, Detective Batman, which I cannot wait to see how that plays. I think that's going to be so much fun. And we don't even know what's going to be coming out later on this year, Tony. And he always teasing these games that they're playtesting and stuff. Just a lot of good stuff coming out. But the first thing's coming out, Batman Detective, Gutenberg, two totally different styles of games. One is the Detective series, a co-op working together, very thematic. And Gutenberg, a very popular Euro that came out at Essen last year. So again, to find out more, head over to portalgamesus.com or shopportalgames.com. Four million dollars. Four million dollars. You should have done the Dr. Evil. That's what I tried. Did it not get work? Oh, was that Dr. Evil? Four million dollars. Okay, you do it a lot better than me. <laughs> Four million. I can't do it. There's no way. I can't do it. 
<laughs> Not that I did it a lot better, but that's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, what are we talking about? We're talking about a game we got to play mm-hmm. that was on Kickstarter. Oh, sure. That never. <laughs> that's from, oh my gosh. That's from Austin Powers. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. That's, that's Dr. Evil. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, sure. <laughs> shh, shh. Quiet. Oh, yeah. Shh, we'll be shh. doing Austin Power quotes throughout this entire segment, so get ready for it. Oh, I better start pulling them up because I can't remember them. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. It earned $4 million on Kickstarter. People went gaga when they heard about it. Couldn't get enough of it. And that is Return to Dark Tower from Restoration Games. Mm -hmm. The classic game from the early 80s, which I never played but saw advertised on TV. And I thought, that's cool. I like to try that out sometime. It was after Stop Thief, which was my game. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, board games had left. I think it was 1981 when Dark Tower came out. I'm pretty sure of that. I'm checking it, so I do not cost us $5. Oh, my gosh. What an incredible game. That's it for the review. Thank you. Yeah, I, I will say. Yep, 1981. Yeah, I, I, I'm right. not. Thank you. Cool. So we don't owe $5. That's important. I, we saw the whole design process of this. I was there at Gen Con when they were showing off an early prototype of the tower, and I was talking to the engineer. And I'm an embedded engineer, so I thought, oh, this has been cool to work on something like this, working on a little microcontroller, communications via you know Bluetooth, and controlling the motors and everything. I thought, man, this would be a really cool project to work on. So I was really into the whole tech of the tower. And the tower is very impressive with its lights and its sound and his communication with an app. So I thought, okay, the tower, yes, that's an impressive thing, but is the game any good? And I can attest to you right now that yes, the tower, the presence of it is amazing. It adds a lot to the game, but aside from the tower itself, the gameplay for Return to the Dark Tower is really, really fun. I enjoy taking my turn. I enjoy moving around the map. I enjoy battling. I enjoyed the battle mechanics from the app. I enjoyed interacting with the buildings that I was there in order to take uh, uh, different actions based on what building I was at. I enjoyed working with you guys as, as a co-op in order to try to, to keep the number of monsters on board on the board down to a minimum so that we can try to achieve our goal uh, and fight the big boss at the end. I absolutely love this game. You love dropping the little skulls in the tower. That, that was fine. Again, I, I if I exclude the tower mm-hmm. and just look yeah. at the gameplay itself, I was really impressed of how fun it is just to actually play the game. I mean, think of the design team here. We got Isaac Childress, Noah Cohen, Justin D. Jacobson, Brian F., and some hack named Rob Davi. <laughs> <laughs> I think he worked on Monopoly or something. I don't Somewhere, know. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he's, his claim to fame is like Monopoly Tycoon or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so you, you got those guys design. I mean, it's good. It was good. I mean, for, you know, I, I love the co-op, the pandemic. It, 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 there is that pandemic feel to it. Yes. Yeah, yes. 100%, where it's a ticking clock. Uh, the game starts ramping up the further you go along. Uh, you need to really build up your character. You're playing as a hero, so everybody's a little bit different in their abilities and everything. And we tried to make sure that all of our heroes synergize together, right? It was like, there's a range guy or a magic guy or maybe a healer guy, if a warrior type guy. 
Yeah, we did that really well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we uh, we pulled one out of our heinies on that win. We did. We did. We actually won. We we played what they recommended as the intro scenario. Uh, it took us uh, three tries before we actually got to play the game and to trip okay. out. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm no. Just, no, go ahead. No, because you'll tell this story better than I will. So I'll just I'll just sit back. Go ahead. So one one of the things people need to understand is yes the tower is is key to this because it's it's you know rotating it's spitting out skulls to corrupt the towns and you have to cleanse the buildings and without doing that so one of the first things you need to do is get the tower to talk to your iPad or whatever device you want to use and through the Bluetooth connection I tried uh, BlackBerry but it didn't work your BlackBerry didn't work I still I may still have my BlackBerry. Okay, that's still one of the better phones. Um, so f- aside from that, so you're you're setting up that Bluetooth connection. Oh, sure. And so Marty's responsible for this. Marty is like he said, he's the tech guy. He is <laughs> he's Mr. Techie. He, he's I know I'm not. He is, so he's gonna set this all up. He's gonna make this happen while Bert and I are setting up the rest of the game, punching, doing whatever we need to do, because Lord heaven forbid we get there in a game be punched. But beside the point. <laughs> Beside the point. So we're over there. We're getting ready to play this game. Marty's all towers calibrating. And we're like, Ooh, it's making noise. It's flashing. It's really cool. Now you didn't mention this, that I did go up to uh, the kitchen to our battery drawer and bring out three fresh double A batteries. Yes. Three batteries. You need three batteries. You need three Three double A's. You need three of them. Yep. I had that. You had Fresh pack. Fresh pack, because uh, he knew we were going to be doing this. Oh, yeah. And so we're playing, and when you <laughs> drop a skull in, the tower is supposed to do something. We thought. First time playing, we didn't know what to expect, so we drop a skull in. Tower doesn't do anything. Hmm. <laughs> and now, the, the little light on there is blinking. There's a, a light that blinks, or, and then it makes a beeping noise or something like that. But yeah. but the iPad said calibration successful. So yeah. we, we we select our characters. We uh, Through the app, you select uh, the boss that you're going to fight. You select the uh, type of monsters that you're going to mm-hmm. fight against. So we set all that up, and we hit start, and we begin the game. And we did. And we drop it, and nothing's going on. It's not doing anything. It's not telling us. It's, and we know that each of us is going to get one turn in the first month i believe that's what the yeah first round first First month yes first round first month and then it's going to there's no event so we know it's not going to tell us to do events or anything like that so we get past the first turn of first round and nothing happens we're like what the heck's going on and we're looking at it well maybe we didn't do something we spend the next 30 to 45 minutes trying to figure out what is going on here why this is not happening? Why this is not working? What did what did Mister Technology do wrong? I thought maybe there's something wrong with the iPad. Is there something wrong with Bluetooth? Was there something conflicting with Bluetooth? Was there another device that was trying to talk to? Yeah, was Alexa interfering with? What is going on with this thing? Well, we, we need to start all over. Okay, so we're going to start sure. all over. Oh yeah. So, so we turn the tower upside down to empty out all the skulls. You know, here we go. <laughs> it's a delicate device. Don't shake it. <laughs> Oh, bunch of idiots. <laughs> and so we do that and we're like, well, and then all of a sudden Marty gets this message on the iPad. Batteries critically low. <laughs> Are you 
you sure you are you sure you want to continue playing batteries critically low i'm like these are brand new batteries yeah so we're like okay well he, he so he calls up his wife who's out gallivanting around she's out shoe shopping and he goes vanessa we got any more batteries she goes well, well marty go up and take the batteries out of the candles these little led candles you know these cheap little candles and he's like okay okay so he runs up there so let, let's just hold on so the first three batteries i brought down were blue they're blue so i thought i thought the blue ones were good so the next three i bring down are red so red there you go <laughs> i did not know there were name brand blue and red batteries <laughs> so we stick in the new batteries and the exact well, same thing. These are the batteries from the candle that we know work. Yeah, sure. Yes, yes. And we thought it was working. So we start another game and it, and it starts whirring. It, we start tracking events. And then about after one round, it goes, batteries critically low. Are you sure you want to continue? I said, I don't understand. We just got these batteries from Dollar Tree. <laughs> they should be working. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bert and I are freaking out. We're like, Dollar Tree batteries? <laughs> well, yeah. Vanessa's, well, they only cost a dollar. They work fine. We're like, no. <laughs> so we got to take a break from the game. We order pizza. And we and we head up to CVS where I buy some Energizer batteries. And I had to give them my name and my phone number to sign up for the freaking reward so I can get a discount on the batteries because I'm not going to pay full cross if I can get a reward. So bring those home. Put in fresh Energizer batteries, and Marty, what happens? Oh, the tower works magnificently. It instantly connects. It's whirling. It's making noise. It's rumbling. Um, it's like magical, and it never ever complains about batteries being low again. But those were fresh Dollar Tree batteries. <laughs> but they were fresh. It's so. Vanessa asked, "Did y'all find batteries?" I said, "Vanessa, they're making fun of our Dollar Tree batteries." She said, "What?" What's wrong with our Dollar Tree batteries? <laughs> I don't know. I think a buck's a good deal for a battery. Oh, it's kind of like going to Harbor Freight and getting them for free if you buy another <laughs> tool or something. <laughs> Harbor Freight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this wrench once and it breaks. <laughs> I'm like, oh my heavens. Oh, oh, but once we get that bad boy up and running, we have the best time playing this game. Now, we do have the nice neoprene mat, Tony, and oh my gosh, the neoprene mat on this is makes it. A, a, it makes it because it's a bigger mat than the actual board itself. It's heavy. It's stitched. We got the expansion that has all the miniatures. So instead of using the tokens, we're using the miniatures. Now I will say this: yes, it made playing the game look better on the table. The game doesn't play better. If you don't have the miniatures, if you don't have the map, you're still going to get the exact same experience as what we had. You don't need it. It just made it look really cool on the table. Yes, it, it built the scenario. It built the, not scenario, it built the experience. It, it helped you out. But yes, you don't need that as far as game. I mean, we're talking about the components. Okay, top notch. If you back this thing and you, and you went all in with everything, you are loving every minute of it because the components are amazing. Um, Justin, Rob, they did it fantastic. The whole team did a fantastic job on this. Man, so I've got board game envy with that thing sitting over there. As far as fun, challenge, it's not hard once you get good batteries. It's not hard to get it in uh, to play the game. I mean, on your turn, there's three 
three portions of your move. I mean, you got your first turn, your middle turn, and, and your final, your cleanup phase. I know they ha- they have specific turns for that. And Marty will correct me in a minute. But I mean, one, you do your special bonus as a hero, and then you, you either go out and quest or fight, and then you can go to a town and buy stuff. As long as the towns are there, you have the four towns that are in each region have special uh, capabilities that you got to make sure you deal with, and then you do the cleanup phase. Mm-hmm. Drop a drop a skull in the tower, but you do have to have the app. That's important. Yeah, I, th- I think that to me is is where questions come in my mind. Because it, it, it dropped on Miniature Market the day of our recording, April 4th. And Miniature Market had it up for, for buying, $180. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, I had it in my um, cart, and I had my RDTE, RDTN 10% off code, because this is the last day that we could use it. And I was like, man. And I started thinking to myself, well, I get this to the table. I'm like, the only time I'm going to get this to the table is with Marty, and he has a copy. So I held off on it, but then I started thinking over time, is this something that I could give to Rebecca, my daughter? Mm-hmm. Is this a legacy? And I started questioning, not just restoration, but all games on apps that use apps. What happens if like, let's take journeys to the middle earth. If fantasy flight stops supporting that app, what do I have now? I got a box of a bunch of miniatures, mm. you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that gets him. It's just part of my mind. It's just like, uh, uh, I make, but God, it was so much fun. Oh, please. No, don't. I'll go home and talk to Donna about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So it's like one of those things. Hey, this is a legacy game you hand down to your kids. How long will the app be supported to where they can go download it on their phone? Mm-hmm. You, you know, will there be different? You know, I, I yeah, I don't know. And, and I'm sure a lot of people have had the same sort of discussion with all games that use apps, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's good right here and now how long supported. You know, I told, I, I told you, Tony, it was kind of like related to the uh, 3DS and the Wii U uh, shop on for Nintendo. They're closing those things down. So all those people that bought uh, games for the 3DS now can't go and download them anymore. They spent money. The 3DS shop's going to go away. So they can't start up their 3DS and re-download a game. And people are like very upset. It's like, why didn't you support it longer than this? It's like, well, sorry. And Nintendo said, we have to, we can't support this forever. So I I don't know. We're just guessing. I don't know what the support is. This is a very popular game. This app's going to be around for a while. Mm -hmm. Android, iOS operating systems are going to be around for a very long time. So I'm sure it'll be supported for years. Mm -hmm. 20 years from now, can you hand it down to your kids and still play it? I, I don't know. I don't know. My Stop Thief stopped working. My original because the little crime scanner stopped working. So yeah. It's going to happen. But I also know that for this game, you can design pretty much every aspect outside of the app. I agree. And in fact, I was thinking about that, that you could play the game. They they could have made this game without the app. You would have to do a lot more um, Mm -hmm. management yourself. There'd be a lot more cards and stuff that you have to deal with. But one thing I love about this game are are the battles. Uh, when you go into battle a monster or anything, we, that's one of the actions you can do. It's one of your heroic actions is fight against something. And the screen will present you with a number of cards. And depending on the strength of the monster, you have to reveal a certain number of cards. And usually they're bad. They flip over. It's like, hey, you're going to lose X amount of warriors. One of the things you have on your board is warriors. You're going to lose 10 warriors. Oh, well, that sucks. Well, there's this concept of advantages where your character or equipment that you have may increase 
the advantages you have on this type of a monster. So if the monster's a melee monster and you have a melee advantage or a wild card advantage, you can spin that. And instead of maybe losing 10 warriors, you only lose five. For every advantage you spend, it makes it what happens to you go from bad to actually something good. You might gain five warriors or something mm -hmm. like that, but you have to resolve a certain number of cards to kill the monster. So you have to make sure that you can go into a fight, uh, take the losses that you might have to take if you don't have enough advantages to negate all of them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have enough warriors or you don't have enough things to pay for the losses, you actually take corruption. And that's one of the ways that you can die is if you get, what, three corruption? Mm -hmm. uh, game, game over. That was a losing condition. And you can remove corruption by going to uh, one of the towns. One of the questions I have about the advantages, if I remember correctly, Marty, is, so let's say I'm fighting a weaker monster and I have to defeat two cards. Yeah. If I spend four advantage, advantages on my first card, I don't have those for the next card. Correct. They don't carry over. That's that's right. You've got a pool that you go into battle with, and that's all you have for every card that you have to experience. Right. Or, and so or, the bigger monsters create more cards, and then the big baddie, you may have to defeat a whole bunch of cards. But this is what I really enjoyed about the game is when you got to the big baddie episode, it was the cards, the app remembered which cards you had defeated or carried stuff forward on. So mm -hmm. like, cause we had to go in uh, cooperatively and defeat these cards. Like I went in and spent so many advantages, finished up my turn and said, okay, I'm done doing the best I can defeat this guy. Then when your turn came, if by chance you selected that card, then whatever I did helped you in the next time that we had to battle him. Right. And I love that because mm -hmm. maybe say there were 11 or 12 cards uh, I can't remember how many there was for this particular uh, battle. So maybe I uh, interacted with three of them. And it's like, whew, that's all I can do. I'm going to retreat and I'm done. Uh, Bert comes in. It's like, oh, he sees a brand new three. None of the three that I saw. But then you go in. There's a higher probability that you're going to pick one of the cards that we've already positively affected so that you can get through even more cards in order to feed. It felt very cooperative. I like at the end of a battle, the monster moved. So it's like it was going to jump to the other side of the board. So you had to, to work towards it and everything. So the battles, I think, are absolute genius. I love the battle mechanic. There's no dice rolled. It's very deterministic. It's like you just want to get as many advantages as you can when you go against the, the, the monsters in order to defeat them. And we really haven't talked much about the tower, the, the centerpiece. It's gorgeous. It's there. It makes a bunch of noises. And like you said, at the end of your turn, you're going to drop a, a skull into the tower. Uh, the tower may turn, rotate. Uh, you may have to pull off one of the little windows. And if any skulls fall onto the board, whatever area they fall into, they must go into the buildings in that zone. There's four zones in the map. If a building gets three. Or that four, I'm sorry, four. You can have up to three, and yep. the fourth one will cause it to be destroyed, which causes you to have corruption. So that's one of those things that you've got to manage as well, is the corruption uh, that could occur if all those skulls. Now, I will say that as we were playing this and you were unveiling those windows, you know, you didn't know you may open a window up and suddenly skulls drop, but when it rotates, skulls may appear there. Also behind these windows are glyphs, Mm -hmm. And if a glyph is in front of you, then it will cause you to have to spend spirit to 
do a various uh, action. It's, it's a negative impact on you. Negative, if a right. glyph is, is facing you. So the tower's doing all this. That that is what the tower's doing. There's some really cool sounds that it has when the you know when the tower uh, attacks or a monster attacks or something. So I really like that. We didn't talk about what you really do on your turn. You can move. You can battle, which we talked about. The questing I really liked. Uh, after the first uh, month, you're going to have two different types of quests. You're going to have one quest where if you go and complete it, uh, you actually get a companion that may help you out. Mm. But then there's one quest where if you don't take care of it, it's going to negatively impact the board. So those are the ones we wanted to focus on and make sure to solve those. And each month is not a fixed number of turns, turns. per round. There's mm-hmm. an average number, but you don't know when a month is going to end. Also, like the, the dungeon quests are cool. That's going back to the app, right? You go into a dungeon quest and it shows you a map and you pick which path you want to take. And a path may make you, oh, I encountered a monster. Now I got to deal with the monster. So if it's like, oh, I didn't get too far in that dungeon, but you can leave. And it remembers your progress on that dungeon. That's also cool. When So when somebody else goes back into that dungeon, a lot of it may have already been explored and they can try to get to the end and try to, to complete it. And then um, we mentioned the reinforce where you're in a town and you'll be able to do various like the citadel or the sanctuary where you'll gain bonus effects. Well, yeah. So, so Citadel gives can give you uh, can give you potions. Again, virtues. Virtues were cool. Uh, virtues were what made the heroes feel very different. Each of them had different types of virtues or abilities uh, that you would get uh, for your player. Uh, the sanctuary gained spirit. Spirit was a resource that you use for spending. That's also where you could spend five to remove all this corruption. You know that bad corruption mm-hmm. you get, so you get rid of it. The village is where you get more warriors, which is good for fighting. And then the bazaar, hey, you can get some gear or you can spend two spirit in order to get a really special treasure. So you can add equipment to your people. You can get uh, potions and stuff, which like a one-time use, get rid of corruption, add warriors. So all that's done within the towns. So lots of times you want to end your turn or as you move, go through one of those towns that has a building and take advantage of it before you may do something else like quest or battle. You, of course, can exchange gear with one another as long as you're in yep. the same space. I mean, all the aspects you would expect from a cooperative game. Yeah. Now, I, I, we didn't get to play competitively, but we did do the cooperative I don't side know if it. I'd want to play competitively. I really, really like the, the co-op aspect of it. So here's the thing. That's really the entire game. And you may think, well, wait a minute, Marty. There are so many other games where I have a hero and I move and I fight. Or, is, or I can get equipment and potions but it all just works so well together as one package with the tower, with the app. And Tony, I've never been a big fan of apps and games, but to me, the app never got in the way of the game. I never mm-hmm. felt like we were spending most of our time interacting in the, with the app. You know, there are some games that we've played in the past mm-hmm. where it feels like all your time, oh, Mansions of Madness. Mansions of Madness is one of those that by the end of the game, I am just like, skip, 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 get to the end. I never felt that way with this one because you didn't spend a lot of time interact with it. And what you did was felt right. It felt appropriate. And the app didn't spend too much time on the table taking up our time. Agree with you. What is it? Journeys? Yeah. Journeys. Sometimes I'm like, okay, yeah, get through all this. Get through yeah. all this. Just tell me what I'm going to do. Yeah. It doesn't make the game bad by any means. It's just one of those things where it's okay. What's my attention span going to be? Right. And one other thing, you know, I'm going through the credits and all. We got a big shout out, project management, Suzanne. Yay. <laughs> but, but most importantly, this rule book, the layout was spectacular. 
And do you know why? Do you know why? Why is that? Lindsay Davia. Yeah, so I'm actually got the rule book pulled up as I'm going through it to make sure I don't pay $5 for anything and I probably screwed up something somewhere. It is laid out very well. It is very easy to read and learn. And it's really not that long. You can easily get through this. Again, kudos to setting up the app with the tower. It is literally as easy as find the tower, boom, calibrate tower, boom, you're off and running. This was a surprise hit for me, Tony. I did not think I would like this game as much as I do. Really? I honestly thought it was going to be gimmicky. Oh, cool. There's a tower there. Cool. There's an app. But what about the game that goes with all this stuff? The game exceeds the app and the tower. It creates an experience in conjunction with those things that makes it when we were done, I'm like, I'm ready to play again. Now, it can take a couple hours, right? It's not a short game. You know, it takes a little bit of time to set up to get all the monsters out there. But I never felt like it. It never felt long to me. Well, you're right. You've got to get it all set up. You got to get it synced up. You got to go to CVS and get more batteries. You got <laughs> to pick up the pizza, bring it back. Bring, you know. bring it back. I mean, you know, for a game that's supposedly, you know, supposed to take 90 minutes, it ends up taking four and a half hours. And your wife goes, What the heck were you doing? It's a story. Yep. This game will be a story for us. It, it will be. It will be. And I think every time you play, there'll be something that happens like, oh, you came so close to beating that monster. Or can you believe that the skulls fell right at that particular time and you lost that building right there and that building was destroyed and I needed that building to be there. Oh, one thing you can also do on your turn is how to get rid of corruption. So when the skulls are in the building, one thing you can do if you're at, if you're at a building that has skulls, you can just take one of the actions is to remove all of them. And you're doing that a lot. It's very important to keep monsters killed or cleaned up off the board along with the skulls to keep everything uh, manageable. So, And you didn't even mention the event. When an event occurs that this may happen. So, Yeah, that, well, that was always a very tense moment, right? You drop the skull and it goes, <sighs> no event. Whoo! It's like, oh, event. And you go, oh, crap. This ain't going to be good. Yeah. Something would happen you'd have to uh, deal with. I know we've beat this to death, but everything is a resource to spend. Spirit, equipment, all of that. I mean, the, the app may say, hey, if you don't have a potion, take corruption, big boy. Yeah. That was one important thing I found out too, Tony. You want at least one of everything on you because when you went and battled, you never knew what you were going to have to give up uh, when you were, if you didn't have enough advantage to help reduce your losses from a card. Like you said, sometimes it was potions, sometimes it was equipment, sometimes it was warriors. You made, made to have like one of everything, even if you didn't think you would need it, just in case you could pay for a loss at some point in time. Yeah, and if you want to play on the Elden Ring mode, pick monsters that all have the same characteristics. That was a stupid move on our part. Yeah, so we we picked the monsters because we thought they looked cool, but the bad thing was is we picked monsters with advantages that hardly any of us had. <laughs> yeah, we we, we we ranked it up. We 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 uh, put it up a little bit, but that's part. That could be a random draw. Yeah, and you could do random monsters. Right, you ain't got to select them. Exactly. So I, I, I loved it. I enjoyed the playtime with it. If you want it, you need to get out there, find someone who has it like miniature market has it. I don't know how long they'll have stock. Um, there's some other resellers that are going on right now that have this game. Possibly. We don't know. Um, we're waiting for restoration to tell us what's, what's the future. And maybe we'll get Rob and Justin on in, you know, coming months, especially when I start wanting my Thunder Road Vendetta game and I want them to hurry up and get it to me. I can bug them about that and they can tell us what's, what's the plans. I think they mentioned on Kickstarter, there might be something coming in the summer, some expansions or some additional content. 
Maybe the base game will be available then. I will say, Tony, at a local game store here in Charlotte, the Mighty Meeple, they had pictures of it today. They got it in to sell. Call around to your local game stores because it may be showing up there too. So this is Return to Dark Tower. I'm very impressed. I am very impressed with Restoration Games and all the, the hard work that went into it from the engineers to the software developers to the game designers to the art. Art's incredible. Fantastic job, y'all. It's going to be hard to beat this for the Squirrely for 2022 on Game with Bling. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. If y'all ever listened to the show, you know, I like games, Euro games that can play like an hour or less. I like games that have worker placement. I like games that can mix mechanics well together. And to me, Tony, this game from Thunderworks Games, Ten Penny Parks, designed by Nate Linhart, an amazing art by Vincent Dutre, is, is one of those games. But do you like games where you're having to manipulate Tetris pieces on a board? So they have polynomino, right? So the theme of the game is each of you have a piece of land, uh, a blank piece of land that has some trees on it. And during your turn, you can place a worker around one of the spots on the carousel to claim a card. It's actually a piece of uh, a polyomino that you have to place on your board. So yeah, there's some Tetris elements, Tony, that I know that you're not a big fan of, but I think it's a really interesting way of being able to fit those pieces on your board and follow the placement rules because the placement rules are very interesting. You can't have another piece touching another except at the corners. And that kind of throws you off. You're not used to that. Normally, pizzas always have to touch a side. And here, can't do it because you got to let people walk around your park. They need to be able to get on your rise. They need to enjoy it. And, you know, so you've got three workers that you're putting out. And these workers can take advantage of either buying a new amusement park if you have the money. They can clear buying, some buy, Buying a, a uh, ride. ride. A, a ride, ride in the amusement Sorry. park, yep. Yep. Or they can clear some trees or they can put a concession stand so the people can eat or they may want to get some, they may need to go buy some real estate or they just may need to get a loan from the bank. And you could do all those with your workers. Now, when you buy a piece, uh, it's really clever 3D carousel that that rotates and has like uh, uh, values around it going from minus two up to plus two. So it could affect the card that it's pointing at. Now, when you select one of those cards, you're the only person that can go there. But if you're clearing trees, uh, uh, getting money from the bank, uh, adding land, as many people can go there as want. Because sometimes you need to expand your board. Uh, trees automatically come on. You need to clear off trees to fit on those big pieces on the board. And once you do all that, you evaluate these three tracks. Because as you buy rides, it affects these th three tracks. And the higher you are on the track, each one gives you a different thing. One, whoever's highest on the track gets an extra worker. Sweet. Another is, who's ever house on the track gets to go first and set the carousel. So the carousel can rotate and they can rotate it however they want so they can get the piece they want the first time on the next round. Lastly, you just get three bucks if you're the highest on the track. Those tracks are also important because in the game, they give you victory points. And you're going to play this, reset, play it over five rounds. Oh, I guess I forgot the most important phase, Tony. Getting how to win? Uh, income. Income, yeah. <laughs> You know, it'd be nice if games had little player aid cards that you could follow. And, you know, one of the first steps is you get income. I forgot to teach that part, y'all. So we played hardcore mode where you're supposed to get uh, three bucks at the very beginning of the round. And we was like, why is this game so hard to get money? And somebody said the classic, can I see the rules? And it's like, Marty, step one, get three bucks. <laughs> 
plus any income generated from from your concessions now oh yeah concessions that's another reason having concessions because they also generate money or, or the some of the rides that you build also generate money yes so what's so important about these rides at the end phase of the round you have the capability of spending money to get victory points mm-hmm. and certain rides have a better exchange Certain rides, if you spend $4, you get three victory points. Another ride, you spend $3, you get three victory points. So you're kind of looking at it from there. And you also have some secret objectives that you need to accomplish. And that may be collecting two rides of the fantasy error. The whole goal is that you are got to get the victory points in order to win. Certain rides have victory points. All that comes in at the final month. And it's very important for you to complete your actions as quickly as possible because this game is over in freaking no time. See, and that's one thing I love about games like this. It's like, man, I wish I had one more round anytime. And I've said this before, like games like Ragusa, anytime I feel like, man, I just wish I had one more round. It's going to be a game that I really enjoy because I know I can set up and play again. And we've played this game a few times. I've enjoyed my time with it. Again, it's the Ragusa type game for me a Euro type game with some clever mechanics of polyominoes, worker placement, resource management plays in an hour or less. And it and is over faster than what I would like it to be. It is a big thumbs up for me. And on my side of it, enjoyed the game. Didn't understand some of the concepts of it. When the first time I played from the getting the victory points, because guess what? That's how you win. But the second, third time that I got to play it off of hard mode made it a whole lot better for me. <laughs> Do you mean the hard mode? You mean actually getting money at the beginning of your turn? Getting money. And I will say this, you cannot negate certain things because you need to pay attention to those tracks at the bottom of the board that are giving you the first player token, an extra worker. You ran away with one of our games because you were in constant domination of that, getting that additional worker. And also it's important too, if you get up high enough on those tracks, you can actually generate extra five points. The more rides you have could generate extra points. The hard part about the game is placing the rides and only the corners touching. You have to be very clever in how you do that. Also, there's spots on the board, Tony, where if you cover them up, you get a bonus. Maybe it's some money. Maybe it's moving up one of those tracks. This is Ten Penny Parks from Thunderworks Games. Designer, again, Nate Linhart. Tony, I love Vincent Dutre's art. Incredible art in this game. Love it. Looks great on the table. Uh, this is one of those games that has that will stay on my shelf and could be maybe up for awards in the future. Five-minute initiative is complete. Head over to MiniatureMarket.com for all your gaming needs. Head over there every freaking day so you can see the specials. (laughs) Every freaking day. (laughs) I mean, just the other day. Oh, we got 20% off on this. Oh, we got 50% off of War Games today. Oh, did you see our spring cleaning last week? Well, you missed out if you didn't get there. Oh, would you look at that on the front page? Return to the Dark Tower just dropped. You can now pick it up. Get there, get there, get there. Make sure you hit Miniature Market every day. If you're on the East Coast, be sure you get there at 10 a.m. when they open up that new page. That's when all the games are starting to hit. Oh, my heavens. Learn how to do all their clearances. Type in certain words and you'll get the clearance. Type in a certain publisher and see there's amazing search engine. That's at MiniatureMarket.com. You cannot go wrong by going to MiniatureMarket.com. You got anything to say about this, Marty? Yeah, so here's the thing. I was getting ready to buy a game uh, when it was on sale, Historical Games. Yeah. And and one thing you should do is talk to your buddies and ask Mm -hmm. what they have because the game I was getting ready to buy, Tony said, you do know I bought that one, right? And I went, 
Oh yeah, so good thing I didn't buy it. We'd have had two copies of the game. So yeah, I get excited when uh, their sales come up and there's a lot of good stuff out there. So again, miniaturemarket.com. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. All right, one of our favorite publishers. Matter of fact, it was publisher of the year, Board and Die sent us another one, founders of Teotihuacan. This is designer by Philippe G L O W A C Z. This is one of those games where you, Tony's rules, victory points. How do you get the victory points, though, Tony? Probably with one of the most ingenious things I've seen in a game lately. Oh. Ooh. Placing disc on a track to determine whether or not you want to take a building or do an action below that, like, oh, I don't know, invest into resources. And by placing those buildings out there, you will later score a whole bunch of victory points based on how big your pyramid is. You also score victory points in other ways, like using special accesses to tiles. It's the placing of workers. When you place Ah. those workers, they have a certain strength to them. If you place three, you got strength three plus one that's already there. So it's strength four. And that will determine how many resources you have to spend for the various buildings. So here's the thing is that what I like about that is, let's say uh, you said three plus one. There's a disc that starts at the beginning of the round. These are random. Mm -hmm. And when you're the first one there, you get a special bonus. So Tony, if you just place one disc there, the height of that's two. Anybody can go behind you and take advantage of what you've already placed. If I place a disc there, the strength is three. If Burt placed a disc there, the strength is four. So you get to accumulate what else is there. Can Mark place a disc? No, because once you hit four, you've maxed out. But also, it's the different types of buildings. This is what I thought was clever. So you can build your pyramid. That's one type of building you can make. You can build temples Mm -hmm. uh, that are color-coded to the same colors of the pyramid. And are on the same side of the pyramid, they'll generate victory points but also resource buildings. And when you place a resource tile, you put that type of resource all around it, whether it be gold, wood, or stone. Mm-hmm. And that's what you spend to build your temples and build your pyramids. And you can only build on two quadrants at a time, depending where your architect is, and it's going to move every round. That's right. And then when you get to the eclipse, the game is over. You total up your victory points. Now, one of the f- most interesting thing is, you have to pay attention to placement. Unlike Tenpenny, you can place buildings side by side. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that. However, if you place a resource building, those resources are going to take up slots on your board. And it's not like, oh, you can cover those up and remove them and just discard them. A very thinky game. I mean, it's one of those games where I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I know this move, I want to do this. I'm going to want to build this side of my temple, build up my pyramid. In order to do that, I'm going to need these resources, but I'm limited by those resource buildings. And if someone beats me to them, I may not get them. A lot of thinking, planning ahead on your turn. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed this on my side from the standpoint of how do I get there first? Because I get a special bonus if I'm the first disc there on, on that spot. I don't want to waste all my turns because once you spend all those discs, your turn, your your round's over. And Tony, this is what's cool. We've never seen this before. Every round, you lose one disc. Mm-hmm. So you have less discs to spend every round. Typically in games like this, you're gaining workers or something like that. Here, you're losing them. So the rounds start accelerating because you just have less discs to place each round. But you need the strength. But you've got the resources on the board. 
And I never felt like I was hampered by having less workers, Marty. As long as you have good resource management, because mm-hmm. whatever you lack in workers placed on the board, you can play additional resources to buy that temple or building that you may need. And hopefully by the time you've lost a couple discs, you have enough resource buildings on the board to be able to generate those. You also, when you build a temple, you get a special scoring tile that you can activate that may give you some additional points. So you'll you'll get points uh, also from that. And after you've played uh, all your rounds, you're going to go to each quadrant of your board and multiply the number of colored buildings that matches the color tiles in your pyramid. But the higher the tiles are on the pyramid, they're worth more points. First level is two times the number of temples. The second level and higher is three times the number of temples in that quadrant. And you're not going to finish your pyramid. Don't think you're going to do that. You don't right. have time. You might. You'll be, you're smarter than me. After every round, your architect moves uh, to the next side. So now there's, there's one new quadrant you can place in and the quadrant that you placed last time you can still place in. But eventually you're going to get to a point where you can no longer place in certain quadrants because your architect has already passed beyond that point. And in a three-player game, we experienced this. Your architect isn't going to make it to all four quadrants because there's only three rounds, which was kind of mind-blowing to all of us. I had a lot of fun with this. There's player interaction. Please place your disc there, Marty, so I don't have to spend an extra move. I want you to do that. Mm-hmm. I may have to sacrifice, but this will help me later. Really enjoyed this game. Had a lot of fun with it. Tried different strategies. We had tight games. The only negative that you and I both have is the scoring track around our player board. Yeah, so you track your scores with a little disc around your board. As you're putting stuff on your board, it's very easy for that disc to get knocked off. I wish there would have been just a single score track for all the players because uh, it was too easy to mess up. There is a little bit of setup time, Tony. Uh, you got to get all your tiles sorted and placed on the board. And there's a little bit of reset every round to reset the tiles. But other than that, this game plays like hour, hour and 15 minutes, maybe placed on the number of players. The action selection is very clever. The fact that you, you can only place buildings where your architect is and the resource buildings are the things that generate resources. I thought was really cool. It's an easy teach. And I think after the first round, everybody understands what's going on. So that is Founders of Teotihuacan from Boards and Dice. You'll probably hear about it again in 2023 at the Squirrelies. Wow, another one. Five-minute initiative is complete. Vanessa, you and I just got back from Knoxville, Tennessee, where we attended Fun K-Town Gaming Convention. Well, Marty, yes, we did. We're sitting here at the table, and I feel like, I think I've said this before, public radio. Why, yes, Marty, we did. Well, that, that's very much in, fun in theme, because Tony started out this episode doing like an NPR voice. He was like, hello, <laughs> and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. And it reminded me, it was, was it Molly Shannon and Anna Gastar that did the, the two NPR ladies? Yeah, I think so. But we digress, and oh, we don't have enough don't time, because <laughs> you said, Vanessa, we're talking about two things, and each thing can have their own segment. So, first of all... Our voice should have a lot of excitement because Fun K-Town was exciting. It was. And this year, they had it at the Nashville, I was keeping on saying Nashville, Knoxville Convention Center, which was an amazing space. It's a huge convention center, and they rented out a couple meeting rooms and, uh, and took the divider out between the two rooms. So it was a nice big space, bigger than what they had in the hotel last year. 
lot of hotels around the area. It was really well run. And one of the best things about it is the area around the convention center is just an amazing place to visit for people who want to come to the convention and do things like uh, while they're not in the in the convention hall. It really is a fantastic area for a convention. You have got to go. Like you said, the convention was set up spectacular. It mm-hmm. was an amazing space with their library, game of the hour, giveaways. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Bezier? Bezier Games. Bezier Games was there, and they were one of the sponsors, I believe. Yes, they were. Yeah. But like you said, around there, we we walked literally just three blocks, and there was all kind of food, shopping. But the main thing is it's right at the World's Fair Park. The World's Fair was mm-hmm. in Knoxville. I can't remember the when. 80s, and they yeah. built the, um, I think it's called the Tower. It looks like a giant World's microphone. Fair. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's very, very cool. And it's an attraction. People mm-hmm. come there for it. And the convention center is right beside it. Yeah, it is. And they just had the, the space set up so well that when you, you went in, there's a bunch of big tables. There was a lot of room to play. People brought their games if people wanted to play their games. It was probably. I don't know, 100-ish or so people there. And the organizer, Mike Randolph, just put everything together so, so well. And this is only, I believe, I believe it's their second year. I can't remember. I know he'd been trying to start it up. I don't know if this is his official second or third year. COVID messed up a lot of the stuff for him. So he's still trying to get this convention going. So it's Everything very much resets after yeah, COVID. That's true. So, yeah, it just resets. And you said it, very well organized and just laid back and friendly at the same time. Like if I were to try to organize something, I would be like rushing and frantic. They're so laid back, Mm -hmm. so friendly, so personable. Because we met up with... How you like that music? (laughs) Like Maracas (laughs) introducing her. (laughs) Oh, Christina from Blue Peg Pink Bag. Wow. I'm sorry. I was, I'm sorry. I was sitting there getting ready to talk about some of the games that we played there. So I I thought she was talking about the, the, uh, the young woman that we played Arkham Horror with and really got, cause you're talking about a friendly convention. Everybody was so warm and everything. We played some great games. Yeah. Christina from Blue Pack Pinkman and her daughter Harper, who does their segment Harper's Bazaar. Uh, came along and we hung out with them all weekend. It was just, it was just fantastic. We had a fantastic time, and I do have to say, if there are crossover listeners, that Harper said something that it, it is my mantra from now on. Okay, so, I've already said it so, so many times. Said that was so. I was. I've been picking on Harper the last couple of times I saw her here. Like you do with everybody. She is so good to be able to give it back to you, though. She's amazing. She is She is very tall for her age. And I said, oh, you need to be playing like volleyball or basketball or something. And she she has no interest in that, which is cool. But I just like kind of like, don't you want to play basketball, volleyball? And so I did it again this time. And she said, my body is made for something different. <laughs> and I love that. I've said it I don't know how many times. I don't know. <laughs> Today? Think, yeah. Vanessa, let's go hiking up a mountain. And you said... My body was made for something different. <laughs> and I will say that for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's good. But our bodies were made for playing games. And we played a great game with Christina and Harper. The flipping, the ostrich. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Onward, upward, outward, uh, uh, up, up, ostrich. I don't know. It was a dexterity game where there was a bunch of ostriches, a deck of ostriches in the middle of the table, and you grab it and you pull it to the edge and you have to flip it up and catch it with the hand that you flipped it with. 
Your goal is to get one of every color of ostrich. If you catch an ostrich that you already have the color of, you have to put it back in the table face up. But then there's one, if you catch it, you get to clip somebody yeah. else's ostrich where they can't use that as part of their set. <laughs> that was that was insane. That was, that was fun. Yeah. So that started out Friday. A lot of fun at Fun K Town. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, well, you taught some Game of the Hours, and so did Christina. Yes, she did. She uh, taught Game of the Hours. You hour. mentioned Bezier games. They have yeah. this really amazing trick-taking game that's come, they're bringing over from Japan. Mm-hmm. That uh, if you like trick-taking games, imagine a trick-taking game, but there's no suit. And when you play a card, a card only has a number on it from like, if there's four players, it's like one to eight. You have to name what suit, what one of the four suits you're playing, and there's four different colors. And once that number and suit has been named, it can't be played again that round. It is an amazing, one of the best trick-taking games I've played recently, and I cannot wait for that to come out. I, I may try that one with you. Yeah. Do you, did you ever play hearts or spades or anything? I didn't like play that? that very much. Okay. So that's what I mean by trick taking game. Yeah, that was exciting. But Vanessa probably I played not, some Uno. Yeah, you did. Well, that's not really. Did you ever play Rook? No. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> so probably I one bet, of our, I, you taught me Opa Shaw, but that's really digressing. Yeah, so. it is. <laughs> one of the most amazing games that we played that we didn't even finish was our game of Arkham Horror, where we taught a couple of new players how to play Arkham Horror Third Edition. And it was amazing. It was up there with one of the best Arkham experiences. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't get to finish. But now you said new player. So we didn't get her last name. We played with Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And she plays the card game. That's so right, which was knew, cool. Yeah. 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 That's so, we, it was really she cool. knew some stuff. It, and it, I think it, the other guy... He also played second... He played Arkham Horror Second Edition. He loved Eldritch Horror. So both of them and had... his name ex- was Connor. So everybody sitting at the table has experience with the mythos and the world. So they were very much already into, oh, I know this character, I know that character, I know that location. Mm-hmm. But this was the first time either of them had played third edition. And I think we sold them on both of it. And it's one of those games that people were coming up to us afterwards. What were y'all playing? Because y'all y'all oh, yeah. were standing around the table and yeah. yelling and screaming. Yeah. And that's what Arkham does to you. It is. There are some dice rolls where you got to stand up. I, that's my thing. You got to stand up. For those of you who play Arkham, we we hadn't even gotten to the point where we knew exactly what we had to do. And we had, and the reason why we had to stop because uh, Mike had to close the room right at midnight, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth was not going to be there the next day, mm-hmm. regardless of whether we finished or not. It was still it an was amazing great. three hours. It was great. <laughs> it was long. I think it was more like was it cause, more? yeah, because yeah, because yeah, we had to teach the was, game, yeah. Oh, I, th- so, I so think good. it was four. But you know what? It was great. Again, why you want to come to this event, not only because it's a great convention, but like you said, there's the area all around it. And there's this place called the Market Square, which has some of the most amazing places to eat. It's kind of like Columbus with all these amazing restaurants. Mm-hmm. And we got to try a couple really good spots to eat. We know we love our food. Marty, from the time we got there, I, I it was like, play a game, go eat. Play a game, go eat. <laughs> Play a game, go eat two meals. <laughs> I I can't even remember. Uh, I I can't remember the names of the places we went to. That that really good chicken place, the fried chicken place. Okay, thank you, Myrtles. Yes, Myrtles. Myrtles. Mm-hmm. So yes, it was fantastic, fantastic. This really cool dipping sauce, sriracha and maple syrup. Well, Ooh. it was Frank's hot sauce. Frank's hot sauce. <laughs> Yes, because I remember I can make it here. I said, wait a minute. Yeah. I got Frank's hot sauce yeah. here, maple syrup. So, yeah. yeah, just make it yourself. Yeah. So the thing, uh, even though it's Knoxville, that Nashville hot chicken. So they had 
that was that what they uh, had? Not really. No, it was oh, not the okay. hot chicken. Um, it was just scratch that everybody. It was just really good fried chicken. Yes, and it was then good. Uh, we and for, I had chicken pot pie. Yep, which and was really good for breakfast. The next day, we went to a place that was a, a New Orleans style breakfast mm-hmm. place because Vanessa's family's from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It was we, called Ruby Sunshine. Yeah, and we wanted to see how well it could be. It was fine. Yeah, it was yeah, fine. Yeah, uh, I myself, I like a hearty breakfast. Yeah, and it seemed like a, a lot of um, sweet. Yeah. But, oh, that's right. But it, it was. was you're right. It was a lot of sweet, and when you bought the, when you got the stuff like that, the eggs and stuff, then it felt like it was just a typical Southern style breakfast, and not necessarily New Orleans style. But we did learn about Hollandaise. Christina Holland- got uh, eggs, eggs Benedict. Benedict. Yeah. Yep. So I learned about eggs Benedict. Yeah. And uh, there was a <laughs> really was a cool local ice cream place. We went and got ice cream that was really good. Yep. I can't remember the name of it. But the highlight. Oh, the highlight. Mike told us, he said, wherever you go, you got to go to this place called Stock and Barrel, which has some of the best burgers around. It's nationally known. And uh, we said, okay. So we went. We had to put our name in because mm-hmm. it was a waiting. Because it was on Saturday. There was a big chalk artist, which right. was really cool, too. Very a cool. A lot of chalk artists came and just drew on the uh, mm-hmm. sidewalks and stuff. And then they, uh, you voted on who was the best. There was winners and stuff. But we went in there, and I, I tell y'all, it was, all the meat was from a place called Richland Farms, and I, and all the buns were freshly made at a bakery right there in the square that yep. were brought to them every morning. Yep. It was literally one of the best pieces of beef I've ever had. Like, I took a bite and I went, yes, the condiments are good, but this beef is some of the best tasting beef I've ever had. It's one of those things where it was so delicious, I don't even know, I don't have the words to properly describe it. It was so good. So you got to go just for stock and barrel. But they had the best fried pickles I have ever tasted. Yep. And Christina hit it. It's because the pickle was still crunchy and not crispy. Yes. I think that was mine. You said it was crispy. Christina said it first. Sorry. And it was lightly breaded. It wasn't heavily breaded. So you still got a lot of flavor of the crunch and crisp of the pickle with a little bit of light breading. And that same breading was on the onion rings. And the onion rings were, ooh-wee. I hope we go back to Funky Town. I would love to go back. Yep. But I have already told Marty, we're making a day trip up there. (laughs) Hey, maybe we can make a day trip, go eat at Stock and Barrel, and play Arkham. Maybe we can meet up with him. That's right. That's right. Get up with some people from Bezier or or Mike and his wife, and maybe we can uh, gain that fun, like spend the night there and do something. Yes. That'd be a lot of fun. So they're going to be doing that again next spring. He's already said he's already starting to plan. And you said that about the chalk, the, um, I think it was called the Dogwood Arts Festival, and that was part of it. They are all the time having festivals there. And Mm -hmm. we said the square. It is literally. A square that is very easy to walk right there. Um, They have a farmer's market there. I think that will be starting up soon. That goes through the fall. And again, it's one of those things. There's a lot of hotels around the convention center, so it's very easy to stay at. It's very easy to get around. You literally Mm -hmm. park your car. Mm -hmm. You haven't got to get in your car your whole weekend. Great parking. Great public parking. Free parking, like a a huge parking deck right outside the hotel because the hotel was charging for valet parking. It's like, I'm just going to go park in the free parking deck. No issues. And everything is right there at that downtown area. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. Another game that we got to play while we were there, Vanessa, we want to talk about for a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was a new game by Floodgate Games called Decorum. And you've been asking me to play this game for a long time, and I really don't know why I haven't because I would say... 
yeah, I'd want to play it. And then I, I don't know why I haven't played it. But when we, on the way there, we said, this is the perfect time. We're going to play this while we're in between games or, yeah. yeah. Have some time. The game plays two to four players, and on it, it just seems like it's it's really made for two players. It's like there's a three and four player option, but I feel mm-hmm. it's just going to be best with two players. And I just got to read the overview here because they say it so well. And literally everything in this overview is like, yep, that's what this game is. Decorum is a cooperative hidden information game where you and your housemates share the same objective: decorate your home in a way that makes you all happy. The problem is different things make each of you happy. And nobody says exactly what they need. Can you find a happy compromise or is it time to move out? Oh, <laughs> and I like the, uh, the little slogan on the box says a game of passive aggressive cohabitation. This game is by Charlie Macon, Harry Macon and Drew Tenenbaum. And Vanessa, this game has like 20 scenarios in it. And it is so super simple to set up. You've got a little map of a house here. There's two floors. There's two rooms on each floor. There's a bedroom, bedroom, kitchen, and living room. <laughs> How about a bedroom and a bathroom? There's a bedroom and a bathroom. <laughs> it's a it's, it's a, a bedroom, bedroom. So it's a one bedroom, single bath house uh, with a living room and a kitchen. And then you've got a lot of different components that you're going to decorate your house with. Let me say the styles. You have modern, antique, retro, and unusual styles. Then you have objects. You have wall hangings, curios, and lamps. So each of those can be one of those four different styles. Mm -hmm. And And, four colors. And there's four colors, the uh, red, green, blue, and yellow. So Marty, little quiz. Yes. What are the warm colors? (laughs) All right, y'all, this is important. Hold on. Warm colors are yellow and red. Ah, correct. Cool colors are blue and green. And here's mm-hmm. why this is important, y'all, because... Well, we, first of all, I asked that because... You I know, because and I was going to get into to what kind of objectives do you have. So when you, you open up an envelope and the game says, oh, here's a little story, a little narrative, and you preset the house a certain way. Oh, also you paint the colors of the walls. Each of the yes, rooms yes. can be one of four different colors. And it says, preset the house this way. Each of you get a secret objective card which may contain three, four, or five different objectives that you're trying to reach by the end of the game. The objectives could be anything, right? I mean, we're finding out the more that we play this game, it may say, okay, this you need a certain amount of styles. You need certain colors. You need certain objects. The reason why Vanessa said warm and cool colors, it may make reference to this room needs to be a warm color. This room needs to be a cool color. You have references to upstairs, downstairs, left, right-hand side of the house. You you may be told there must be specific empty slots. There must be certain slots that have certain things. There must be the, we had to run to this, leftmost object, rightmost object, most common, least common, and inseparable, where if one object's in the room, then the other object must be in the room. You and I have played six of the 20 scenarios. (laughs) And we don't see how much harder this is going to get because after six scenarios, this is pretty tough. So did we play one or two there? We played the first one and we were like, oh, wow, we are in sync. This is this is a lot of fun and not very difficult. And I'm like, there's nothing passive aggressive about it. <laughs> then we played the second one. We're like, okay, hmm. was five the big brain burner? Five was five, four or five. One of those... One of those we actually did really quick. Oh, we played we played two in one night. So That's we it. played one, uh, or we played um, the fourth scenario, 
And it was it was medium hard. We were like, ooh, this is getting this is getting harder. Let's do number five. And after number five, I was like, I can't think anymore. I cannot <laughs> think. And time went by so fast, and it was like an hour had gone by. Yeah. So this is a logic puzzle deduction game. Uh-huh. What I love about this, it is so easy to learn to play. On your turn, you're either going to add an object to an empty slot in the house, remove an object, swap an object for one of the same types, paint a room, or pass. That's it. That is all you do on your turn. And what's so cool is, is after you do something, the person you're playing with gives you a comment. It could be positive, neutral, or negative. Like, yeah, whatever, that's that's cool. Or, man, I love that, Marty. That's amazing. Or Vanessa could say, look, I will never step foot in that room again if it stays like that. <laughs> and that is supposed to give you hints to this is really stepping on one of the objectives I have, or it's not really affecting me at all. Or guess what? Wow, a positive comment means like, you actually just help me out. You can have uh, heart-to-hearts. Yes. So the game plays over 30 rounds. After the 15, a round is I take a turn, you take a turn. Mm-hmm. After 15 rounds, you get to have a heart-to-heart. Now, this is really cool. Each of you get to reveal one of your objectives to the other person. So that really is an interesting decision too, right, Vanessa? Because oh, yes. After you want 15, to be very strategic. <laughs> after 15 rounds, maybe, Vanessa, there's one objective. You just keep stepping on me over and over. It's like, uh-huh. okay, I need to let you know what this is so that maybe mm-hmm. you will look, try to avoid that. Mm-hmm. So trying to decide which one you're going to tell your partner is really important. And then after the 20th round, you have another one. The 25th round, you have another one. And then on your last turn, you get one more heart-to-heart. So at that point, you know four of the other person's objectives, and hopefully you've only got one turn to finish it off. And that brain burner episode scenario, we did. We did. We had to. We went to the very end. Yes. We and were it, like very close, and I was going to be mad if we didn't make it within the time and frame. we were very fortunate that we could achieve both of our objectives with one turn apiece. Uh-huh. And pull it off. Because uh-huh. remember, you're limited to what you can do. Yeah. Add, remove, swap. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you, Vanessa, one thing you did so well, it's getting harder now with later scenarios, is you were able to pick up what my objectives were just by how I was placing things. I remember one time you said, yeah, I figured that's you're, I figured that you probably needed a certain color in a certain room. And I haven't been as good at picking up on what you're doing uh, like you have with me. Maybe become I'm because I'm so sporadic and laying the pieces out, <laughs> and I you kept putting the same thing back there, and I was just putting all different kinds on there. I tell you, it's an amazing game. It- oh, I really like it. Now, one thing I really like about it, yeah, we like bits and pieces. Yes, I really like the scenarios are in these nice envelopes, mm-hmm. and coming up on scenario twelve, I think. We got a big envelope. Yeah. And we're like, what What's is in that there? <laughs> and we were thinking, can we get to number 12 before we review it? But to be honest with you, we're really down to just one scenario each time we play. And it's probably taken us about 45 minutes to an hour now or so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think tonight took about 45. Setup is nothing. Uh, literally, you hand each other the scenario card and you're mm-hmm. you're up and playing. Mm-hmm. So you, it, the setup is quick. Really nice components. Uh, they actually have acrylic components that you can buy on their website. Floodgate Games is who publishes this. And I'm actually going to get us some because I think the nice acrylic pieces will be cool to put down on the board. (laughs) One thing I just, I think the theme is amazing. It's something anybody can understand. You're trying to decorate a house. It's very easy to teach. Turns are simple, but it's a tough game to play. Yeah. Yeah. 
You really think. Now, you said that in the beginning about two to four players. I think it's just easier for us right now with two because it's just two of us here. If you have a family, you could play this as a family and play up to the four. But there's a lot fewer scenarios in there for three and four players. Okay. So here's the thing is, though, once you play a scenario, you probably can't play it again. Oh. It would be, you would have to have some distance in time if you would ever play it again, because you might remember. And here's the thing. All the scenarios have cute names. They have flavor text. Read the flavor text because it might be hints on what the other person might be doing. It doesn't give anything away, but it might hint on something. It's like, oh, maybe I need to pay attention because they mentioned that object or something in the mm-hmm. flavor text or maybe mention mm-hmm. the color. Mm-hmm. But anyway, if you fail, well, you just move on to the next scenario. There's really no need to replay it because at that point, you're just like, well, I know what all of our objectives are. Just do it real quick and you're done. Yeah. And it's not like it, it, it's not like a, a game that you're going to win or lose. You're just trying to solve this puzzle oh, no, together. You, you do lose. If after 30 rounds you didn't complete it, you've considered to have lost. <laughs> there are losers. <laughs> you could continue on. You could say, okay, officially we lost the game, but let's just see if we can finish this, this, this scenario. Oh, no, no. I was just saying, if you if you don't complete the scenario, like if you, you get to 30 rounds and you haven't met the scenario, I don't consider that losing. You didn't complete it and it's over. You don't get to do it again. But you are not a loser. You are a winner for playing this game. You're a winner because you purchased this game and you bought it and you played <laughs> together. I was looking You're at a, a winner. I was looking at a rule book. If that the, is a win-win. If the, Sitting together and playing, whether you complete the scenario or not, is a win-win. <laughs> Period. It says, <laughs> end of game. If every condition is met, you win. So I was just assuming if every condition is not met, you lose. You win. You win. Because you spend quality time with somebody That's as it. you play this game. That's yes. it. I mean, and you get to go on to the next scenario. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. We are finding that our communication is getting better over this as far we as... We are? Well, the whole positive, <laughs> the whole positive negative, neutral thing, uh, I think we'll kind of know what to say now that may help each other <laughs> out. Anyway, so... Decorum from Floodgate Games, uh, it is really... I know that it plays up to three and four players, but I'm just reviewing this from a two-player standpoint. It's one of the best two-player games I've played in a while. We've left this set up on our kitchen table for probably just about a week. And Vanessa will go, you just want to run a quick scenario, a quick 30 to 45-minute scenario, and set up 30 seconds later, we're sitting down and playing. So, Well, speaking of decorum, Marty just revealed to everybody, yes, it's been set up on our kitchen table because we now eat. <laughs> In front of the TV because we're empty nesters. <laughs> and it's great, y'all. We did that when we were first married. We yes. had TV trays. Yeah. And we would... Now, we make supper. We eat a real supper. Oh, yeah. We, we, so yeah. it's our real supper. We have our little, like our little mini table in front of us. <laughs> and when we were first married, we watched recordings of The Guiding Light that were recording oh, while we were at work. Oh, that's a long, dark, deep secret right there. And now it's like very exciting. What are we going to have for supper? What are we going to watch tonight? And we just started watching Moon Knight. 
And that's pretty cool. And Julia, about Julia Child. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, yeah. So, wow. Anyway, but, sorry. Kind of when you said there. that, it sounded like, I don't know. Yeah, We've let this set up on our kitchen table for weeks. <laughs> so now, now it's our game table. It's, our little, it's in our little breakfast nook. It's our little game table now. So, y'all, seriously, this game is going to be coming out soon. Decorum by Charlie Macon, Harry Macon, and Drew Tenenbaum. It's, it we is got 14 great. scenarios left to go. I hope we have the brain power to finish them all, but we got to get to lease number 12 because I want to open up that big envelope right there and I, yes. see what's in it. Now, like today, I may have to take a power nap before. <laughs> I had to take a power nap before we played it because I knew I was going to have to think. <laughs> so there you go. Fun K Town. Yes. In Knoxville, Tennessee. Next yes. year, be there. Decorum. Vanessa and I think that uh, you should decorate your game shelves with this game. <gasps> Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Okay, earlier in the show, you remember I said, I really like little Euros that last like 45 to 60 minutes and are easy to learn everything. Along with Tenpenny Parks, there's also First Empires from Sandcastle Games and Asthma Day with designer Eric B. Vogel, uh, who has this really cool like area control style game where each of you are playing uh, different factions. You know, it's, Tony, it's a typical mechanical type thing of you've got a certain number of meeples on the board. Those meeples can move. You can go into an area. If you have more than the other person, you take over the area. But Tony, what's clever in this is there's dice rolling and dice resolution in this. Did you think it was clever? I, f- I was getting the vibe when we were playing this that you didn't feel that that was you. It was frustrating. Oh, it was it was cleverly frustrating or frustratingly clever because you have tech trees on your board, and this is I thought this was really neat too. Everybody's board starts out a little different. There's one tech tree that determines number of meeples on the board. There's a tech tree that determines how far you can move on your turn. There's a tech tree that has how many re-rolls you can make. There's a tech tree that says how many dice you get to roll for your turn and a tech tree that gives you additional scoring cards that you can score on your turn. And when you roll your dice, your goal is to be able to move in an area that matches the color of the dice, take it over, and if you do, you get to increase that tech tree so that maybe you can add additional population, additional dice to roll, et cetera. And Tony, my frustration was in the very first game that we played, I couldn't get the yellow die in order to increase my population to save my life. No, you could not. It would not roll for you. And it made it very hard on you because you need to have that greater than to be able to go and take over another land. And you get points by basically, uh, well, those cards that you have, if you meet the conditions of the cards, you can uh, use those cards to get points whenever somebody reaches a certain point on a tech tree, they take their little disc from the top of that tech tree, a little city disc and put it in that area. If somebody else takes over that area, they get that little city disc and there's victory point uh, value underneath it. And it's all hidden knowledge until the very end of the game. Now, one thing about those cards that I found really enjoyable is the fact that if there was a goal that you knew you couldn't make, then you could use that card, turn it in and have one of your dice become a sword which would help you advance into another city. It makes you a warrior. If you don't want to use it as a sword, then you can later use it to change the dice to any face. If you would pay attention to the person teaching the game, you would know that. Some people don't pay attention. <laughs> that's, that's fair. No, it's not because I probably left it out. 
So here, here's the thing is, it's a very light game. It's a very light area control game, but I really love games with tech trees. And I enjoyed rolling the dice and re-rolling and trying to take over. And what's nice, Tony, is if you take over an area, it doesn't hurt the other person that bad. They don't lose anybody. Mm-hmm. They just retreat back to a spot where they already have people. So you're not killing anybody. The population doesn't decrease. They just have to move from that new location, basically. And if you were to go in there and wipe Mark off the face of the earth in that one area, then I could come in there and do the same to you. There was, I, you're right. I never felt like it was backstabby. It just made sense. I need to go up this tech tree and you're sitting there. So you better expect me to come into that area. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to hurt you. I need to get to the yellow land so that you can do that. Um, and, but I will say this about the game. It says it's best to play with, you know, four to five. I agree. I think you definitely need four people in this game. I felt like three was kind of, eh, you know, it, it didn't grab me. Well, the map is smaller. Mm-hmm. It's more fun when there's more map available uh, to you. And I didn't mention this. Another way to get victory points is the higher that you are on each of those tech trees, they're worth victory points. Depending on the, the faction that you play, there's always going to be one tech tree that gives you the most victory points. So you might want to focus on that tree to make sure to maximize your victory points by the end of the game. Because once the game's over, you flip over all the city tiles that you have, add those points to where you are on your tech trees, uh, plus whatever you gain from the cards that you completed during the course of the game, and most points wins. Each empire is different. Each empire starts different. Each tech tree is different. That's what I just said. Each board's different, has a different value and all that stuff. I thought you were, yeah, value, but not like I get to roll. Oh, start value. Yeah, yeah. Well, start value, but also how I increase my population is at different levels. Mm, that's how true. Different moves, different re-rolls, all that's a different aspect of first empires. So, you know, you're right. I mean, this thing, boom, 45 minutes to 60 minutes, we can have this on the table done, set up. It's a breeze. Non-existent. Why is this so easy? Because the box insert's amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you mentioned it. I forgot that. Holy cow, the insert of this is really, really nicely done. Yeah. And we have the, the boards are nice. None of the cubes are going to be sliding all over the place because they're, you know, they, they're the, what is that overlay with the inset? Oh, that, yeah. The, the player boards have insets to hold your disc for counting up your tech tree or your, your cubes. Yes. So it's all there. So you, hey, you're going to be this. Here's your box for that empire. It's got your cards, your cubes, your your meeples in it. Here, go knock yourself out. There you yep. go. Again, 45 minute to 60 minute game is the type of year that I really enjoy. It's it's not very heavy by any means. Sometimes the dice can mess you up. You better have cards that you can have in order to maybe turn a die to the side that you want or enough rerolls to hopefully get the die that you want. Again, I love this. This is the type of game that I can just feel I can pull out and play anytime. Tony, what about you? Enjoyed it. Uh, uh, like I said, got to have the right amount of player count for me. But it's one of those things that you got to make sure people understand the value of their tech trees and how to advance it so that they don't get frustrated early on. So once again, that is First Empires by Mr. Eric B. Vogel. Five-minute initiative is complete. So it is springtime here at Rolling Dice and taking, well, it's springtime everywhere, especially if you're in the Northern <laughs> Hemisphere. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's fall. So one thing about springtime. Are we in the Western Hemisphere, though? I thought it was north-south based on the equator, but we're on the Western. Don't confuse me. Keep talking. Okay, you Google this. Make sure you don't cost me $5 here. That means you get to go out. The, the city is alive here. Matter of fact, headed uptown with my wife and 
we went to go see some things that were going on around there. They have this new AR tour of Charlotte, alternate reality tour of Charlotte, where you go stand on certain spots in uptown Charlotte and it will give you a old timey picture and tell you a story about what was going on in Charlotte at that time. Pretty darn cool. I was kind of like, Ooh, look, look, this stuff is called technology. But most importantly, one of the things I saw was a guy had a cupcake stand that he was oh. selling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. These, he had this guava and papaya cupcakes and all that. Marty, you know what the name of that, his uh, cupcake enterprise is? What's that? Taste Buds. Are you kidding me? No, I got a picture of it. I'm going to post it over in our Discord channel. I guess it's not that original, I guess. But still, how many of these we're going to run across? He should go look at the Food Network and challenge them. Those two need to go fight, not us, and we can then take over. But there's something even more important, and that is the limited edition of ice creams that are showing up at the Walmart. Mm, like what? Kraft macaroni and cheese ice cream. No. Pizza. No. No. Hot honey. Hot honey? Hot honey. Okay, I, I'll try that one. Royal wedding cake. Yes. Oh, Vanessa needs no, Vanessa's favorite cake is wedding cake. Mm. So she needs to try that. And I'll, we have to look for that one. Bourbon cherries. Mm. Yeah. Oh, mm. I like the bourbon, not the cherries, but I'll try it. Jubilee. Jubilee's one. Don't know what that is. Oh, and that is. Wild blueberry shortcake. Oh, heck yes. Throw out the pizza and the mac and cheese and I'm good. These are going to rotate. So more are coming in. So this was on uh, March 14th. I think they're running for 10 weeks at your local Walmart if you can get them. So first of all, who would sit there and think, I'm going to take the taste of Kraft macaroni and cheese and put it on ice cream? No. Who would think that? I mean, did you dump it? Did you have ice cream and you were you know, cleaning up the kitchen and you were making dessert and suddenly it spilled over onto your ice cream and you said, I can't waste Kraft macaroni and cheese and ice cream. I'm going to eat that. So it sounds like to me, Tony, we need to keep an eye out for these and a good taste bud segments will be pizza and or mac and cheese. Well, we need to hurry because they will be gone in May. So we need to, I'll, I'll go, I'll swing into the Walmart and maybe I can get two of them. Let me know what they are and I can swing by mine and I get them. Oh, and by the way, sir, we are both correct. The United States is located in both the Northern and Western hemispheres. The equator divides the earth into North and Southern hemispheres while the prime meridian divides the earth into Eastern and Western. Okay. Ta-da. The more you know. All right, so before we, before we get out of here, by the way, uh, if you want to, go check out uh, the Mediavania channel where I just did a review of Triangle Strategy, a game on the Switch that I absolutely love. It may be my video game of the year. I haven't played Elden Ring, and that's what everybody else likes, but uh, a tactical RPG, Tony. It's been a long time, and I love this game. So I was watching, um, I, I know you enjoy that. It's never grabbed me other than mm -hmm. Advance Wars. I trust your judgment on that. I was watching, um, what's the channel? The Girlfriend Review channel? Oh, did you see her uh, review of Elden Ring? Yes. Oh, is that not the funniest thing? Oh my <laughs> gosh. They are so funny. One of the best YouTube channels out there as far as entertainment and value. When I was watching it, I'm like, yep, nope, check me. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I am not doing this game. Cause I, I just died when the, the boyfriend or the fiance now kept going up, going, uh, get better. <laughs> just coming out of it. Just get better. Because that's what everybody says. Oh, get good. Sorry, get, get good. good. 
get good. Yeah, I'll never get good. I'll never be able to do that. I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I'm at, well, I do know I'm at 166 hours on um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. My so. gosh, how are you not done? Because there's a lot of things to find. Oh, my Lord. I spent 30 hours in Triangle Strategy and I'm done. That's the length of game I like. 30 hours and I'm out. Wow. See, I, I got to feel like I'm getting my money out of it. I got my money out of that. And it's it has a lot of replayability because there's a new version of the game that opens up after you finish that uh, kind of tweaks the game a little bit. So I'm actually may play through it again because it has a different storyline that you can follow. And I may try that. Also, have you seen the latest commercials with uh, Dr. Rick helping you not to become your parents when they go to the movies? No, but now I will look that up. Don't tell me. Don't spoil me. I want okay, I'm, just one thing. Coat Wrangler. Well, I'm going to say. Okay. All right. So I'll look, I'll look that up when we're done. All right. Oh, this, this is the time where I say keep rolling dice. Oh, about time and taking names. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, join our Discord channel for a chance to win. Actually, it's just better just to sit around and have a, have a chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at Dyson Names, Twitter, Dyson Names. And uh, we hope to see you back here for our next episode. Will anyone even notice there's not a stinger this episode? Hmm.